And uh, it's a study of the epistle, the letter to the church at, at Philippi. The guy who's teaching us about joy is a guy who is unjustly sitting in prison for his faith, yet he's a joy bomb, all right? Do you have any joy bombs in your life? All right, the, the people I'm talking about when I talk about joy bombs are these people who, who live in the same messed up world the rest of us do, yet somehow they have a way of letting the stuff of the world and the many joy killers in the world fall off of them like water off a duck's back. They are joy bombs. That's what we're talking about. Okay, and that's the Apostle Paul. He's a joy bomb in prison. He could be bemoaning the fact that he's here unfairly, unjustly, but he's a joy bomb. So my personal goal here this morning is that I might be a thermostat, a joy thermostat rather than a joy thermometer, all right? A thermometer, thermometer can measure the degree, the temperature in a room, but a thermostat has the capacity of adjusting it. Anyone can measure the joy level in a room and then adjust accordingly. I want to be a person who affects change wherever I am toward joy. So God help me to be just that. Amen. So here's what I want to do. All right, there's, there's something going on this morning. I don't know what it is. I hope to pray about it before we're done. I, but uh, I want joy to well up in you. I don't want it to be fake or contrived. There, there just seems to be some kind of heavy spirit here. And I don't know if it's one person. I don't know if it's uh, several people. But as I was praying today, uh, God just spoke to me that there's a heaviness somewhere in this room, all right? So uh, if that's you, then you just hear right now what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that, that I'm not here to try to pump you up, but I need to, you to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning according to what He wants to do. Okay, so right now, as we prepare to get into the Word, I would like for you to bow your heads, and I want you to cast your cares on Him, knowing that He cares for you. might be something you're facing personally. might be someone you're concerned about, situation in the world. Cast your cares on him, knowing that he cares for you. Thank you, Lord, that you care and that you're able. We give you these things. We lay them there. And Lord, just for, just for the short time right now, speak into our lives because we really need to hear from you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. People. Pe people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Remember that song? Yeah, I love the song. Composed by Julie Stein, the lyrics written by Bob Merrill for the 1964 musical Funny Girl starring Barbara Streisand. Today that song is considered to be Streisand's signature song. It's listed among the American Film Institute as number 13 among the greatest American movie tunes of all times. And you may be sitting there thinking, I don't like the fact that he just mentioned Barbara Streisand. You may be sitting there thinking, I don't give a rip what the American Film Institute has to say about anything. But I hope that we all agree to the premise of the song, people need other people. Yeah? 
Right. And we talk about being joy thermostats. People need other people. It's easy to forget that. This is a true story. A man wanting to purchase a set of binoculars uh, found them in the particular store he is in. He took them to the counter. There were two salespeople on duty at the counter. One was busy talking to Mama on the telephone, didn't seem to have time for him. The other was busy stocking the shelves and uh, he couldn't be bothered. So the man stood there for some time across from this woman who was on the phone. She was there for some time when she finally looked up at him and she said, you got a number? Well, he's looking around the store thinking, I'm the only one in the store. What do I need a number for? So he says, I got a what? And she says, you got a number. You have to have a number. Well, I'm sorry. I, I see I'm the only one here. Do I really need to have a number? Well, she wouldn't concede the point, so the man went over to the take a number dispenser, and he chose, uh, pulled out of there the number 37, walked back to the counter. With that, this woman promptly went over to her number tracker, and she observed that the last person served was number 34. So she proceeded. Number 35. 35. 36, number 36, number 37. Well, I'm number 37, the man said. And then she said, may I help you without even cracking a smile. And so with that, the guy set the binoculars down on the counter and walked out of the store. <laughs> it's easy to forget. It's easy to lose track of what really matters. Getting so caught up in, in uh, the, the, the process that we forget about the people. I, I might question the validity of that story if I hadn't had similar experiences myself, huh? And you're smiling because you have as well. Easy to get caught up in procedure and task and miss the important thing. But the truth is, without people, there would be no need for stores. Without people, there would be no need to stock the shelves in, in those stores. Without people, there would be no need for the Department of Motor Vehicles. Amen? Yeah, you better believe it. Without people, there would, without, without people, there would be no families. Without people, there would be no churches. So I have to say it again. People need other people. And even guys like the great Apostle Paul needed other people. So today, he's going to sh share with us two significant guys who fed his joy. The first one is Timothy, and the second one is Epaphroditus. So we're picking it up as we're walking through the book of Philippians. We're in chapter 2, verse 19. All right, here we go. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. So Paul's sending Timothy to the church at Philippi to bring joy to them, to encourage them, but he also wants to get a report back on how the church is doing. Going on, verse 20, I have no one else like him, and the better translation would be of like mind or a kindred spirit, who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone, look at the statement here, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. And that word's the word caliber. He's proven his level of excellence. How? Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident 
in the Lord that I myself will come soon. So Paul has confidence that he's going to be released from this sentence. And indeed, he will be released and he'll have some opportunities uh, before he's arrested again. But Paul probably met Timothy on his first missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts chapter 14. Timothy was the son of a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father. Yet Paul kind of adopted him and loves to refer to him as his own dearly loved son. Paul will return to Philippi for a second missionary, or as part of a second uh, missionary journey. And it's then that he'll recruit Paul and pull him in so that Timothy can join him as a fellow laborer in the gospel. So Timothy was very, very important to Paul. There's at least three specific things that, that are listed in this text I just read that describe what Paul valued about Timothy. So let's highlight those really quick, okay? Back to verse 20, the first part of the verse, he says, there's no one else like him. And as I said, it translates of like mind. Uh, this business of being like-minded is a theme that we have seen continually in our study of Philippians 2. We've been in Philippians 2 for about three, three weeks now, and like-mindedness is essential. Uh, all of these that I'm giving you are characteristics of Jesus Christ, and that's important as well. If you go to the second part of verse 20, he, he gives us a little clearer picture of this like-mindedness when he says he's concerned about the well-being of others. That's Timothy. Okay, then the third one, verse 23, he proved his caliber by being a servant in the work of the gospel. But I think all three of these can be summed up with the statement in verse 21 that I kind of highlighted as I read it, where he says, For everyone looks out for their own interests, not that of Jesus Christ. Now, I've heard this passage hammered until it's caused people to bleed before, okay? <laughs> and, and I need to just say right here that this isn't necessarily a bad thing. People are busy. And it's the truth. So if we look at this and says everyone looks out for their own interests, except Timothy, he's the only one who cares about the things of Jesus Christ, then we don't fare very well in this formula. We're all busy. Okay, but what we need to see here is that it builds on this theme that we've been in for the last three weeks, Philippians 2. We must have the same attitude of Christ Jesus who, although he was God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, even to the point of going to the cross and dying for the sins of you and me. And this morning, as we were praying, getting ready for, for our time, and that brief time of prayer there, someone said, the problem with the church in America is we're not all of like mind. We're all independent thinkers. And to the point, that's why all eyes on Jesus, right? The closer we get to him, the closer we become with each other and the more effective we, we become. Th this interest of Timothy in others has nothing to do with how to win friends and influence people, that great book of the past. You can do that stuff and be doing it for the wrong reasons because you want to build your own business, you want to build your own kingdom. But what this is about and what Paul is describing here is the heart of Christ with a genuine concern for others. Oh God, give us that kind of heart. Well, as many of you know, over the past few weeks, um, 
I've spent a little time out at Valerie's folks' farm. Uh, we had the big farm sale, sad goodbyes to all of that. Her father uh, passed away. Uh, but being the committed walker that I am, I always take time to walk the road, okay? And when I say the road, that's in quotes because the road is indeed Valerie's road. There isn't much out there, but it's a really interesting uh, road for a couple of reasons. First off, it's the county line, okay? Valerie grew up in Kearney County, but if you just walk across the road, you're in Hamilton County, right? That's the truth right on the county line but not only is it the county line it's also the time zone valerie grew up in the central time zone but she did life in mountain time okay that's where they did all their business true if, if you want to gain an hour at valerie's house all you have to do is walk across the road <laughs> okay now next week is that good you know time change when we get to gain an hour, an extra hour, but at Valerie's house, you could gain that hour any time that you wanted to. <laughs> but whenever I walk this road, uh, you know, there aren't many cars going by, but oftentimes the cars out there will stop and they'll check on you. They, the people just want to know, are you okay? There aren't many people walking out here, okay? Are you okay? And it's really, really a sweet thing. If you compare that to the big city where a man could literally be laying in the gutter and no one gives a rip about what's going on with him, or a story about 38 spectators who watched as a man stalked a woman and eventually attacked her, but no one did anything, even as much as call the police. Or uh, you, you think about a, a group of teenagers who came across a woman who had a heart attack and desperately needed help, so they helped her to the front porch of the first house they could get to, and the response they got from inside was only this, get off my porch and take her with you. Wow. See, it's easy to get caught up in our own stuff. It's easy to become fearful that whoever's at my door you know, might be a threat. It's, it's easy to get there. But friends, joy is found in getting beyond our own stuff and getting beyond our own fears and caring about other people. Any amens there? Or he's just all pierced with guilt out there, huh? <laughs> Let the truth just speak into our hearts, because it needs to speak into mine. So this past summer, my family and I, lots of stories today. I can't help that. No apology for that. That's the way God works, different every week. But this past summer, my family and I took a road trip to Vancouver uh, to get Chloe. She'd served three years with YWAM, Youth with a Mission. And while we were there, we were robbed. And most of you know that, but in case you don't, uh, we were. Uh, somebody broke one of the back windows in Chloe's car. They helped themselves to whatever they could get and left us with, with uh, several problems, and the smallest of which was patching that window in order to get home rather than replacing the window we patched it. So we stopped at a small gas station, and the attendant was very kind. She gave us tape. She gave us scissors. We found some trash, or some trash. <laughs> we found some cardboard in a trash can. And uh, there we are, we're vacuuming out the, the glass and, uh, and we're cleaning up the mess. But we noticed this couple gassing up their pickup truck that they were, they were paying attention to us. They were interested and sure enough, eventually they came driving up and wanted to know what was going on. So we told them our story. They went home and got us better supplies. <laughs> he came back and with great joy, he helped us. So in helping us, we received the joy of his blessing 
And, and we gave him joy back because it was obvious he really loved helping us. So when Paul says, for when everyone looks out for their own interests, I'm just telling you, it's the truth. We get busy. We get caught up in our own stuff. But God help us to be aware of other people because people are what really matter. People who will take time to get beyond their own circumstances, people and stuff, feed their own joy and they feed the joy of those that they're assisting. But Paul says, he says, uh, for everyone, referring now to the church at Philippi, everyone looks out for their own interests, not the interests of Christ. Even we as believers who know and have read the words of Christ, we get so caught up in our own stuff that we fail to see the kingdom opportunities all around us. And when we hear people who believe differently than we do, even approving of things that we don't approve of, suddenly it becomes us against them. And what we fail to see is their pain and the opportunities that God might be given us to speak into our lives we're busy and the encouragement is to pause to take time don't let your personal stuff and your personal concerns keep you from the joy that God wants to bring in your life by allowing you to be involved in the lives of other people all right Anna Clausen one of the most joyful people I know Anna Clausen a joy bomb all right and Anna Clausen is also one of the busiest people I know. And she would not appreciate me mentioning her name today. I know. She's probably back working with the kids, you know. Uh, but Anna, she watches the Prairie Quest when they come in. And she looks for people who might potentially need meals. If she doesn't bring meals herself, she schedules people who will help her get meals to those folks. Anna is a joy bomb. Uh, in a few weeks, a group of joy bombs are going to go to the school the schools and they're going to bring care baskets into the teachers lounges just to bless them they're joy bombs all right uh at halloween time there's going to be a group of joyful people out there in the mob of all the halloween activity serving chili they're going to be light in the midst of darkness if you want to be a part of this stuff don't only stop at the missions table to talk to brad and sarah but talk to them about these opportunities because I think the folks there will know what's going on. I have a lady right now who's very destitute, terrible circumstance, both emotionally and physically. She's worn out. Uh, Father McCready, David, Pastor David McCready of the Anglican Church has been taking her down to Denver to the doctor when she needs to go to the hospital. This doctor is a joy bomb. He's sharing Christ with her and he loves this gal as difficult as she is. But David's going to be gone and she needs a ride. It's a potential there. You can talk to me about that. Today, out on Elkhorn Boulevard, a group of uh, believers will be doing a peaceful demonstration in defense of the unborn and for the glory of God and for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you support what they're doing, you may want to join them. They're going to gather at the library parking lot at 2.15. Then from 2.30 to 3.30, they're just going to make a quiet stand for these folks but if nothing else if you see them out there why don't you stop by and say hi i'm from summit church and i thank god for what you're doing <laughs> you know because it's hard it's hard standing up for what you believe in but these folks are being courageous missionaries like brad and sarah sometimes wonder anybody know where we are anybody care what we're doing yeah why not stop by the missions table today and look at all the missionaries our church supports 
and, and, and see if there might be one you can adopt and speak joy into their lives. Incidentally, are you guys getting all this? That wasn't my incidentally, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Yay, God. Love the body of Christ. You know, there's a, a movement in our country and in the Western world called, uh, of the nuns. There's a book out called Rise of the Nuns. Larry's been reading it. That uh, in this generation, people don't want to be affiliated with anything. And in that, many people who were once a part of the church are suddenly deciding we don't need the church anymore. We'll do our own thing. But I'll tell you what. You stop being a part of a body like this and you stop supporting the, the, the movement of the kingdom all over the world. You look at the list of missionaries this church supports and I dare you to find very many home churches that give a rip about anything else other than getting their own needs met and could care less about people dying and going to hell because the best they can do is just think, Lord Jesus, come as quickly as you can. You hear what I'm saying? Oh my goodness. I hope that wasn't the flesh. Help us to be the body of Christ. Dear Lord, there are opportunities. We're better together. People need other people. I'm sitting down here because I just want to make sure my spirit is okay in saying that to you. God, it's good. Better believe it. What else do we have here <laughs> uh, to share? Uh, then that leads to the next thing. Let's not forget those who do not yet know the Lord. We live in a fallen, messed up world, but never forget we're here for a short time on short-term special assignment. We are here to shine as stars. We saw that last week. Uh, we need to love people. We need to be aware of people. We need to be praying for people. And when people are standing for things we don't understand or don't agree with, we need to understand what the flesh is and what we would be if Christ weren't at work in our lives. And then we need to listen to their stories, hear what they're saying, and love them. And the whole time, just be seeking God. God, what word would you have me to speak into their lives? Because it's clear these people desperately need you. You remember last week we were talking in the scriptures about that part in uh, chapter 2 where Paul says that we are to shine as stars, right, in the universe. Well, as I was sharing that, one of us uh, was sitting there getting all excited because somewhere they just heard a news report about atheists who were coming to faith and there were two major things that were uh, that were drawing them into the kingdom. One was those authors and those scholars who loved to write uh, with, with great integrity as to why we can believe and we can believe with confidence. Awesome. But the second one was because they could not deny the reality of believers who are sincerely living out their faith. Friends, God wants to use us. God wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of someone else. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ, but not you. You've proven your character. You've proven your caliber, you see, because you are serving. You are serving for the sake and for the glory of the kingdom and for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Summit Church. Can we give praise to God right there? He's awesome.
So thank God for Timothy's. We can appreciate guys like him because we can relate to them. These are people who share our passions. But let's go on to the second guy, Epaphroditus. We start that in verse 25 in our scriptures. Look at it with me. But I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So Paul's thinking, you know, here I am. I'm sitting in jail unjustly. Wouldn't it be terrible if the guy the church sent to encourage me died while he was with me? Okay, so that's what he's talking about. Spare me of sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. Okay, so for all of you who point at Michael Descoli and think of me as an anxious person, I want you to see here that Paul's anxious to send Epaphrodites back to Philippi so that he will be a little less anxious, as though that's going to do anything for Paul. Verse 29, So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give. So there's a similar passage, statement right there that everyone's looking out for his own interests and Epaphrodites is doing what the rest of them couldn't do. Epaphrodites was sent to Paul from the church at Philippi and the reason he was sent was to bring encouragement and to bring financial support. So Brad and Sarah asking for financial support it's just been part of the way the church has operated forever. That uh, when people are blessed they love to give into the kingdom. It goes all the way back to Melchizedek before there was any law written. When he met Abraham, he saw God's hand and he freely gave a tenth of everything that he had. But unfortunately, Epaphroditus became ill, as we've already discussed. He almost died there. Ultimately, he's going to get well and he's going to go back to Philippi. But the church is concerned, having heard that yet he was you know, on his deathbed, and so they want to comfort the church. But just quickly, notice several things that Paul highlights about Epaphroditus. He says he's a brother. He calls him a co-worker. He calls him a fellow soldier. He calls him a messenger. And he calls him one who cares about the needs of others. Some similarities to Timothy, all characteristics of Jesus Christ. But there's one verb about Epaphroditus that we need to highlight today. It's in verse 30 where he says he risked his life. That's uh, the Greek word, parabolume, parabolume. And it literally means to expose oneself to danger. So he risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. In the early church, there arose groups of people that even began to form societies that were referred to as the parabolani. Okay, same verb, but different verb form. These were risk takers. Okay, one example, 252 A.D. in the ancient city of Carthage. Uh, a horrible epidemic broke out, uh, similar to, to smallpox. There was a bishop by the name of Cyprian who de demonstrated great courage to both his friends and to his enemies. 
He took time to care for the sick. He would take the bodies of the dead and give them proper burial. Now, if you contrast that to what the rest of the society was doing, many of them were running for their lives, trying to get as far from Carthage as they could. Others were dragging corpses out and just dumping them out in the country, which was probably the worst thing that could have been done. Now, right now, we can relate to this because right now, we're experiencing it, and, and, and it's, it's in the limelight for all to see, but it's been going on continually uh, throughout my life, and I am just absolutely blown away by it. It's that right now, believers at their own risk and at their own expense are jumping on airplanes, and they're flying to Liberia and other parts of Africa, not knowing if they'll ever, if or when they'll ever be back, allowed back into this country, and they are going over there to care for the sick during the Ebola crisis. And, and we might look at that and say, they're crazy, but these are people who would be comparable, com, comparable to the, the Parabolani. When everyone else is running out or operating in fear, what about me, what about me, they're running in. And what Epaphrodite shows us is that there is, is a special joy for those who will look beyond their own lives and care about others just as Christ did. I think one of the great things, okay, we know that, uh, uh, am I too wound up today? Sometimes I think I get so wound up that you guys are like deer in the headlights. I... Oh no. But, but one of the things about the last days, and we see it happening, it's been written in secular articles, that things in nature, things in the world, war, threats of war, that they're going to come on with greater frequency and greater intensity. And it's happening. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised that there's hatred towards the church right now, right? The church is beginning to lose its freedoms. We shouldn't be surprised because all these things are prophesied. The question isn't how will we survive these horrible times? The question is, how can we as light shine brighter in greater depth of darkness? Right? Thermostats, not thermometers. That is exactly what we're talking about. There's joy for those who will risk their lives. And, uh, and a true friend won't ask how great is the risk, but instead will ask, how soon do you need me? It reminded me of a story of a six-year-old girl who was deathly ill, and uh, she needed a blood transfusion, and the fact that uh, the type of blood she needed was very rare, only complicated things. Her nine-year-old brother met the criteria, but no one wanted to ask him because he was a little boy, but they had to, so finally they did, and even though this young man didn't understand what he was volunteering for, he agreed without hesitation. So he lay there beside his sister as his blood was drawn. He was smiling at, at her, and uh, he just closed his eyes and just kind of rested. But soon after that, the physician wanted to commend the little guy. And uh, with quivering lips and, and tears coming down his face, he asked the doctor, Doctor, when am I going to die? And, and just then, the doctor realized what was going on, that this boy literally thought, that by giving his blood, he was giving his life. And so quickly he reassured the little guy, but amazed by his courage, he, he asked him, 
So why were you willing to give your own life? And this little boy responded, because she's my sister and I love her. <laughs> Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. I was a young believer. I was at a conference with some 10,000 teenagers. And I uh, heard a speaker, Tony Campolo, who was then a uh, professor of sociology at Eastern University. And he talked about this survey that had been conducted among 100 people over the age of 90. And I refer to this often because it was so valuable to me. And, and though, uh, well, though there was only one question on the, on the survey, and it was this. If you had it to do over again, what would you do differently? And, and many answers came in, but they were all generally summed up with three key ideas. And those ideas were these. We would risk more. Take more risks. Two, we would reflect more. In other words, take more time to celebrate and to evaluate. But the third one was that they would invest more in that which would last long after they had gone. Think for a moment. Do you remember a time that you risked for a person, for a cause, for the kingdom? Do you remember how that risk fed your joy? Why did you ever quit risking? What happened? What happened? And the application, be willing to lay yourself down for the sake of another. Because friends like that have joy and they bring joy. Now next week, I, I hope to talk to you about this. What do you do with this whole joy thing when you're reaching for the stars but find yourself stuck in the mud? <laughs> okay, we'll look at that. But three friends that God will bring your way as we wrap this up today. Number one, when God brings a Timothy into your life, relate to him because he's that rare person who shares a common passion with you. When God brings an Epaphrodites into your life, respect him. This is that person who would give his life for you. And I have to say, when I was studying and thinking on this this week, there was one person that God just kept bringing to my mind, and I just had to say, thank you, God, for that person. And then the third, when God brings his son across your path, receive him with nail-scarred hands and a pierced side. He's reaching out to you in love and just patiently waiting for you to grab a hold of his hand. There is no friend on earth who can ever do for you what Jesus did and what Jesus will do. No one else can remove the sin, the guilt, the shame that you carry, and no one else can give you the kind of mission that has eternal significance like Jesus will give. Jesus said, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become children of God. Believe. 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 The world's messed up because sin separated us from God. God is holy. If our sinfulness and God's holiness were ever to appear in the same room at once, to God's sadness, it would be like setting dry grass in a fire. That's our sinfulness. 
with God's holiness. God wants to love us. He can't get near us. So what did he do? He became flesh, dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. And if you're not a believer today, there are many people in this room who care about you and want you to know him as well because God has changed our lives and we know he'll do the same for you. Dear God, thank you, thank you, thank you for friends. Friends like Timothy and Epaphroditus. Thank you for joy bombs that you bring into our lives. And Lord, today we realize, yeah, we're busy. There's not a lot lot of joy in the busyness. Help us to have your eyes, to see the opportunities all around us, that we have something to give to someone else, that we can be a source of joy through your Spirit who is at work in us. All right, look at me for just a moment. When I started today, I said something about heaviness. I don't know where it is. I don't even know what to say. Would there be anyone in the room? I'm not going to ask you to come up here in front of everybody. But would there be anyone in the room who would say, yeah, I've got some heaviness and I would really appreciate some prayer. Would you let me know that just by, and let all of us know that by showing your hand? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Now, I want you to be just a little bit bolder here. Well, I'm going to ask the body of Christ. We talked about being a source of joy to others. I'm going to ask you to, again, lift up your hands. And I know, I know there's one case where um, there's a, a uh, young person who raised their hand, uh, sitting with parents, and we can't leave it up to the parents. We need other people to gather around them and say to the whole family, we love you, we support you, we care about your kid, okay? So I need you just to be bold. If these, any of these people receive prayer, I'd like for you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, but I just want them to place their hands on you to pray for you. So what I need you to do is if you'll receive prayer, if you'll be honest about your heaviness, and if you receive prayer, my prayer is God gives me with people just, you know, just placing their hands on you according to scriptures. We just kind of lift your hand up, not, not kind of, just lift it up so they know where to find you, okay? So body, be aware. And some of you are saying, well, I'm not sure. I'm the one. Well, move, okay, please. All right, so if you need prayer, heaviness, and if you, the others will look and see where they are, do everything you can to get to them. Thanks, you guys, for being honest. We don't need to have the fake little churchman smiles. We can be real because God came for the afflicted, the oppressed, the downhearted. Father God, it'd be ridiculous for me to sit up here and pray and think that I have the exact prayer for these circumstances and these people. But you do, Lord. And I know that you love them. And I know, Jesus, that you're diligently praying in behalf of each and every one of these people. 
So, Lord, we give them to you. We place them into your hands. And we ask you to wrap your arms around them and love them and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And even now as we consider this, it's just evident that we don't know who we're around or who we're seated with. Help us to be aware that not everyone lives where we live. And there are people around us who greatly need someone to minister to them. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you're doing. Continue to work, even now, even now. In Jesus' name, amen.